Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Riffing on Realness podcast. Before diving in, I want to give you a quick update. As you may know, Juliet and I have been on sabbatical from the podcast. While I'm ready to dive back in, Juliet decided that she wants to continue taking time out for traveling, reflection, and she's awaiting further instructions for what's next for her, which means I will be introducing a new co-host to you shortly. But before that, I want to give a hearty thank you to Juliet. I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed working with Juliet over these last months. It has been such a delightful time riffing with her. I adore her heart, wisdom, creativity, and integrity. While Juliet is moving on to other things, I'm pleased that our connection will continue. I know our listeners will miss her and what she's brought to this conversation. For now, I want Juliet to know how much we appreciate and love her. We wish you the best, dear Juliet. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Riffing on Realness podcast. I'm Carla Royal, a mindset and performance coach working with high-achieving entrepreneurs, and with me is Jennifer Flynn, an intuitive business strategist. If you are wrestling with how to be real in the midst of rampant superficiality, and it's causing you to overthink, be too guarded, and not live your potential, then you're in the right place. In this podcast, Jennifer and I explore how dropping the masks, being real and vulnerable, can help us connect, adapt, and find a richness of experience amid the chaos. We're glad you're here, and we invite you to tune in, slow down, and listen for your own wisdom. Hello, Jen. Hello. Good to be with you again. (laughs) So we uh, were, you know, before we hit record, we like to discuss, you know, what's going on in our lives and kind of get ourselves into realness. Uh, because it's easy not to be in realness. It's easy to sort of just be um, disconnected or numbed out or or busy, busy, busy or whatever. And we were talking about uh, maybe the topic of balance. You know, what is balance and what does it mean to different people and 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 how can we have more balance in our lives? And I wanted you to share. I know you have some uh, as the balance maven. I know that you are an expert in in this topic. So I would love for you to give our listeners an idea of what you mean by balance and what that means to you. Absolutely. And I will say, while I'm I'm the expert in this topic, I'm also because I'm the expert in this topic. It's important to note that I became the expert in this topic by being the expert in imbalance as well. Um, you know, that somebody had said to me recently that, you know, we were talking about how do we learn things by experience? Um, how do we learn to make good decisions by experience? And how do we get experience by making poor choices or poor decisions? Mm. And I think it's important to recognize that we will all have imbalance in our lives and, and, and even people who are experts in it, new level, new devil. You know, when you graduate to one place, you'll just experience a, a greater depth of it next time but it's not something that goes away. And I think to me, balance is really, um, you know, people kind of consider work-life balance or just any balance in life, a misnomer. And, and some people say that it's balance is dead. There's no, there's no such thing. And, and while in some points I can agree with that, I would say it really comes down to your definition. And I like to always educate people, um, you know, in, 
in working with me on what I think balance is, it's not this static point between two places. It's not this equality of two things on either side of a scale on a fulcrum point. To me, it's really more about um, a dance. It's about more, it's more like juggling. You know, it's a rhythm that you catch and, it, and it's really about finding and knowing what your priorities are and being able to trade those things in and out as those priorities change. You know, it's not going to be two heavy weights on either side of a scale. Sometimes you're going to have three or four small things that equal one big thing on the other side. And when we when our priorities shift, we have to trade things out. So it's knowing when to set down one heavy thing and picking up three or four small things or knowing that when you need to pick up something bigger and heavier, you're gonna have to let go of a few smaller things to compensate on either side so that one thing doesn't drown you or run away with you. And that's not just about work and, and, and play, um, or career and home, it's also about your senses of being and doing. It's about masculine and feminine energy. It's about, you know, your spiritual life and um, your very strategic tactical life. It's making sure there's harmony amongst all the things that you choose to prioritize in your life and finding a place where for you, all of those things can be as present as you want them to and not feel like certain things are falling behind. Those are that's typically a symptom that we're carrying one thing that's way heavier and it's taking away from other aspects of life. I don't know if that convolutes it or clarifies it. Well, I, I, there are several things that resonated with what you just said. Um, the, the very first thing was that you learned balance through imbalance. And I want to drive that point home that what we think are failures are actually just opportunities to, to learn. You know, I think of, um, of, uh, uh, um, you know, all the experiments that scientists do or the, you know, to, to, to learn to, 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 to make the light bulb, how many, you know, he never, he never saw his failed experiments as failures. He saw them as he got information. He got new information to learn that got him eventually to making that uh, light bulb. And so what, what I hear you saying is that the imbalance is what taught you how to be balanced. And I love that. I just don't want, you know, we, we, this society, this culture is so toxic, Jen. And we had this idea that there's just failure is, you know, you're either a winner or a loser. There's nothing in between. So toxic and dangerous for us. When the truth is, this is how we learn. This is how we become masters. Failure, mistakes and failure are the path to mastery. There's no way around it. So I love that you are brilliant in your business as a coach, as the balance maven, because of the imbalances in your life. So I love that. I want to drive that home for people. And secondly, the other thing you said that I just love that, that resonated so, so much for me uh, was that balance is a dance. And I, so I think of dancing and I think of uh, being, you know, in a dance and it's a give and take, and it's it's a flexible. There's not any rigidity there. I mean, there's a structure, right? Or there can be a structure in dancing, but you change with the music. When the music slows down, you slow down. When the music speeds up, you speed up. And I, I want people to know that balance 
today for you can look very different than balance tomorrow for you. If you, you know, I had a client just before we hopped on who was uh, dealing with a migraine. Well, balance for her in a day of a migraine looks very different for her than balance when she doesn't have a migraine. You know, she rests more when she has a migraine. She doesn't push herself as hard when she has a migraine. That's balance. Balance is not something that it looks this way every single day. And if you're not living in that balance that you think is the best, it, it reminds me of that book, The Four Agreements, Jen. You, are you familiar? Yes. You know, uh, do, it, it, one of the four agreements is do, do your best, I think, is one of them, do your best today. I used to think that that meant that I had to give 100% every day. And it really messed me up a little bit because there were days I couldn't give 100%. Because I wasn't at 100%, I was at 80%, or I was at 20%. But can I give the full 20% when I'm at 20%? To me, that's balanced. Does that make sense? I think that's what you're doing. You're giving 100% of what's available to you today. And that may be 20% of your max, but you're still giving 100%. It's just you're giving 100% of a relative amount, which Mm -hmm. is what's available to you. And I think that, you know, speaking of a toxic world, I think that that is... That is something that we have, we have demonized in some ways, which is, you know, if you're capable of more, you should always give more. And the reality is, um, you know, you give what you can give. And I think, you know, Brene Brown had said at one point that, you know, if we could all have the understanding that everyone is doing the best they can with what they have available to them in that given moment, and if we could mm-hmm. do better, we would. I think we've all been in those places where, um we were giving everything that we had. And the only reason we have judgment is because we can look back on it and see something different, but you're looking at it from the vantage point where you are now. You're not looking at it from the vantage point of where you were that day, because that perspective is, you know, constantly shifting. And I think that we also, we need to give ourselves permission to recognize when we're below the 50% line emotionally, when we can't give more. And this is something I've talked about with my clients a lot you know, I always want everybody taking any important action from above the 50% line emotionally. And if you think about that scale of, um, you know, you might think of it as a teacup that's more than half full. If you are below the halfway point in what you have available to you emotionally, you have no access to your tools. You have no access to the things that make you the best version of yourself. So the first thing you need to do is to Ask yourself, what's it going to take to get above the 50% Mm -hmm. line? Not to continue to push and drive from there. And like your friend or your client with the migraine, it was like she wasn't probably consciously aware of this concept, but she recognized she had to get above the 50% line in her cup before she could do anything. So Mm -hmm. she needed to rest more. She needed to lay down. She needed to self-care. She needed to listen to what her body was saying to her, which was, I'm not okay right now. And I need you to give me an experience that lets me get my cup filled back up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, one of the things I, I notice with my young entrepreneurs, you know, that I work with almost all young, young, high energy entrepreneurs, is that they're just driving themselves. And they haven't recognized the need to take time for them <laughs> to take time off. And what I'm telling them is like, man, this is not sustainable. You know, you're, you're going to get into this for 10 years, and you're going to just you're just going to burn out so bad. You're going to have health issues and you've got to start putting in your schedule time off. 
time off from social media, time off from your phone, time off on the weekends, sabbaticals, vacations. I always, Jen, I always get pushback. But it's not eventually, socially acceptable because I'm capable of more. That that that's that toxic uh, uh, culture that we're talking about, right? Is it that more, more, more? I remember last year um, when I was banging out my uh, my my Thrive Stepwise program, and you were like, "You can do one a week," and I'm like, "Okay, I'll do one a week." And I was doing one a week, and then I went through a breakup, and so I came on to you and I said, "Man, I don't think I can do it," and I just knew that you were going to say, yes, you can. I know you can. And you didn't. You said, man, this is your sacred pause. Life happens. Life happens. Like we talked about in a previous episode, the cyclic nature of life and things changing and, and shifting. We have to be able to be less rigid and more flexible and shift and change with that, like kind of the gifts of flexibility. Um, And sometimes the universe brings us space or opportunities to cultivate flexibility. Yes. And, and I find with my entrepreneurial clients that they have a really hard time with this idea because they're so consumed by the income and they're terrified if they take a step back that they're going to lose income. Here's the thing, man. They might for a little while. But then if they take care of themselves, they're going to be able to come back stronger or better or, or, or more available. And their income may go up. The long-term gains, I think if we were to look at it even as a, from a, from a businessy, sciencey statistic and data standpoint, I think that, you know, we know from the most successful people, all of the more successful entrepreneurs, Steve Jobs, um, Richard Branson, you know, can't remember the guy who owns Tesla, um, but they all, you know, these people who have who have made big gains will tell you that it, it that the, the pauses are what propels things forward. It's mm-hmm. what births space for creativity and innovation. Mm-hmm. And I will say, you know, in my in my business. I, you know, had, again, I learned by contrast, I had to learn this kind of the hard way. I really had to look at historically connecting the dots and seeing that there are two times a year where I grind myself into the ground. And it's July, which is my favorite month of the year from a weather because I'm a summer girl. Mm -hmm. um, And my birthday's in July. And I just that's the peak of sunshine for me. Um, And December coming in at the end of the year. So I had to tell myself like, that's the month's where there's the most going on is when I need to slow down, which is kind of counterintuitive. But I had my most productive months in July and December each year because I was taking more time to go within and to allow instead of to push and to drive. Mm -hmm. And it allows space for other things to be birthed, to be created. Yeah. Yeah. I have a client who, who did totally burn himself out and he had to pull back from his business for really a couple of years. And then he kind of came back to business again with a lot of trepidation because he was scared of sort of that happening again. And through our work together, you know, he learned, and this is his mantra now, I slow down to speed up. I slow down to speed up. And he's gotten it. He's really gotten that sometimes he has to pull back and take, I mean, he has to take good care of himself. He has to slow down in the world of 
fast, 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 fast. And, and it goes against, it goes against the, the cultural expectations of that entrepreneurial world. And I think it takes a tremendous amount. I have another client who, you know, is like, man, you got to take a sabbatical, a year long, not a year long, a month long sabbatical. And he said, there's no possible way I can do that. I will, my business will crash and burn. And then eventually he did, he saw the wisdom of it and it changed everything for him. I think, Jen, that that takes those two guys I'm thinking of, those two clients, I think it takes a lot of courage to do that in a world that's so fast-paced and says, no, no, you can't do that. I've, I've mentioned this many times to, to our listeners, um, and you haven't been on here, Jen, so you don't know. I may have mentioned it to you in conversations. Uh, there's, a, there's an Instagram handle called the Nap Ministry, the Nap Ministry, and it's all about um, going against this toxic you know, race, rat race, it's going against that and saying, man, you need to take some naps. <laughs> you, you need to rest. Well, when you look at like Nicholas Tesla and some of these um, very intelligent, highly innovative, and I think even Benjamin Franklin, um, and there's another one from that time period that I that I'm not thinking of, but they were big nappers. And in fact, mm-hmm. they didn't sleep necessarily like your eight or nine hours a night. What they would do is they would take many frequent naps and then they would innovate or work or work on their experiments. Mm-hmm. And, and I believe even Edison did this as well. And they, there's wisdom in the pause. And even though we think about cultures, um, some uh, Latin American cultures where, you know, they, they close from like, two to six or whatever it is. And everybody goes home and, you know, takes it, has a siesta, you know, takes a nap or has downtime, but the shops are open in the morning and then the shops are open late, but there's this midday time Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where they understand the cyclical nature of a day and that rest is important for them to be their best. I think what we in in our culture get caught up in is the grind and we grind and we grind and we grind and we have this expectation of productivity and output but when we actually take those sacred pauses, when we take those breaks, when we give ourselves permissions for rest and respite and relaxation, and we build it in, our productivity actually surpasses, the net productivity actually surpasses that of people who are constantly in the grind. And I recently had this little aha or epiphany in my own life when I homeschool part-time. Um, I have one child left at home. And so in the mornings, I've typically homeschooled and then I start seeing clients usually around 11 o'clock my time. And um, when school ended this summer and I, and I'd found some hobbies, like some other things besides work, cause I love to work. And so it's really easy for me. I have a hard time sometimes distinguishing the difference between work and play. Cause I love, I'm blessed and in yeah. this respect, I love what I do, but that doesn't mean it's not still important for me to have interests outside of work. Mm-hmm. And so I gotten back into exercise. I also, as a never ever golfer had um, signed up for some professional golf lessons. And what I noticed I was doing in lieu of the, the homeschool time in the past, I would fill it up with work, but instead I was getting up in the morning and I was going for a run. And then I might go to the golf course and hit a bucket of balls or whatever it was. And I was doing this on like a seven day a week cycle. So instead of relegating work to Monday through Friday, and then having two days of rest on Saturday and Sunday, which was my normal old pattern, I was doing a little bit of both 
every day. Mm -hmm. And what I caught myself doing was feeling a little guilty. Like I'm not doing enough. Like Mm -hmm. I am not driving enough. I'm not grinding enough. And when I kind of really, I was like, you know, as a coach, we probably have a little bit expanded capacity to look at this stuff because we're like in the thick of that's what we do all day long with people. So I kind of was like, oh, got curious about it. And I was like, why am I feeling this way? Why am I feeling like I need to be in the grind? Um, Am I really being lazy? Am I lacking in productivity? And what I realized was I had just structured my day differently. Instead of relegating, you know, work to these days and play to these days, I was just doing a little bit of both every day. And Mm -hmm. I always felt relaxed, like I had space, like I had room, but that's not what society conditions us for. It is Monday through Friday. You Mm -hmm. work 40 hours Mm -hmm. and Saturday and Sunday. At least 40 hours. Yeah, at least 40 hours. hours, Depending on your, you know, my Mm -hmm. former husband working 80 hours and, or sometimes even a hundred over a six day period. But it's, it's about looking at um, expectations and giving yourself permission to change them. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, I've started taking this year, uh, I take Wednesdays off now. And it's not that I never work. Sometimes I do. But for the most part, I don't. I don't work. And I was just reading, is it Norway that I was reading about, uh, that they have gone to a four-day work week and, and they're finding it to be incredibly successful. People are a little more productive. People are happier. Uh, I was just reading that. <clears throat> I can't remember now, where right now, uh, but that that's happened. I think, you know, Einstein is another one who he would... He would try his hardest to work something out. And then when he got stuck, he would go sit in meditation, basically. I think I've, I've read that he would have his uh, hand, arms on the armrest and sit with his eyes closed and just be very restful and peaceful with two weights in his hands. And when the weights fell out of his hands because he got so relaxed, that was, that was his cue to go back to work. But what one of the things I'm trying to do with my entrepreneur, my young entrepreneurial clients is I'm trying to help them create a different culture for their teams, their people, for themselves. I want them not only to take a vacation, I want them to make it part of the culture that this is what you do. You take the vacations, you take the time off, you turn your phones off at six o'clock at night and don't turn them back on till nine o'clock in the morning uh, in terms of business. You know, I, I am trying to help them learn to, and they're getting it, man. I love it to, to, to change their culture, to create the culture that they want because there's so much pressure from the toxic culture of entrepreneurs to do it this way, that, that constant drive, 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 constant progress. It's not the way of any of nature. You know, humans are the only ones that do this. All of nature, uh, it's seasonal. You know, there's a time uh, to plant, a time to till, a time to sow, a time to reap, a time to harvest, you know, and a time to rest, a time to go into hibernation. Uh, We humans don't allow that. And, And it's killing us, literally killing us from cancers and, and, and heart attacks and so on and so forth. Anxiety and stress and obesity and depression, all of that. It's killing us. So um, one of the reasons I love my work, Jen, is because I, I like to help these young, these young people change themselves and change their culture and create a healthier culture. They can still go out there and, and, and be successful and make money. That's fine. 
but you can do it in a different way that's healthier for themselves, for their relationships, um, and, and for this planet too. It's not good for this planet, uh, what we humans are doing. So yeah, this balance is, is extraordinarily uh, important. Well, look at the COVID shutdown. And, and when we think about the statistics in nature, about how nature started to recover, yes. and there, there were a lot of things that, that came from that. And also people really starting to look at their life differently and, and this forced slowdown, realizing, you know, what parts of normal do I really want back? What yes, parts yes. do I want to shift? How and 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 you know I think we're yet to see how how that has shifted our culture collectively mm-hmm. about people working from home, people wanting more time with their family, um, you know, and and really what they learned about themselves. You know, I saw something recently on a LinkedIn post about the Great Resignation coming, mm-hmm. and that being you know what that what they were referencing was after COVID and everyone spending this time working from home or working differently, really evaluating what was important to them and and whether or not they were doing the things that were fulfilling and enriching and and, and, um, contributing to their long-term bigger picture goals and how we were going to potentially see a lot of rearranging in the world. Now, this doesn't mean that it means everybody's going to quit working. It just means people are going to be shifting and evolving. And, you know, a person who's doing this is going to say, you know what, I really want to do that. And the person doing that's going to say, but I really want to do this. Mm -hmm. And so there's going to be like this transition or swapping of roles. I don't think it means that it's going to be the whole world decides it doesn't want to work. It's just going to be, we're going to rearrange who's doing the work. And I think the positive aspect of that is that people will be doing work that's more fulfilling for them mm-hmm. in this season of their life, which inherently creates balance. Mm-hmm. Fulfillment, both personally and professionally, is kind of the end result we're all striving for when we're looking for this idea of balance in our life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see that with one of my clients who's um, pretty much changing uh, who she is in the world of work right now and it's uncomfortable we talked about the limbo in the last session in the last episode and um it it takes a lot of courage to be willing you know she was a driver she was a producer and now she's getting a little bit older she doesn't have the same kind of energy available to her and rather than pushing herself to just keep doing it even though it's hurting her or it's toxic for her she's allowing herself to shift and find a new balance because the balance that she had before in what she was doing is no longer working for her. And so she's realizing that she can step into a new, a new role, a new way of being in the world um, that's more in, in a lot in alignment with where she is, with, with her age, with her energy, uh, with her desires, with what's inspiring her now, which is different than what inspired her before. So, yeah, I think it's, it, 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 I think that the world is pretty off balance, but I think, I think you're right. I think it's, it'll be interesting to see this pandemic, how it helps us find a new balance. Uh, You know, I don't know, but it's, it's, it's really interesting to think about, but, but what I do want to say, Jen is I think it takes a lot of courage to, to find balance that works for you because it goes against the culture, this culture, at least, uh, of constantly producing more, doing more. Um, like you said, I think in the last episode, maybe something about, you know, we're not human doings, we're human beings. 
And we've really lost the being part of our humanness in this toxic culture. And I don't know how long that's been going on, but a long, a long, long time. Yeah. And I think that it's important to recognize that when we strive for balance, that it isn't just about shifting or the only, we we have a lot of flexibility more than we realize. It's not just about shifting the two things. Like if we think about balance as a scale, you have your fulcrum and then you have the two, um, spaces on each side that hold whatever it is. And, and our job is to try to be constantly putting things in these two places to counterbalance the other side. And it's not about creating this very static, solid, non-moving thing. I think it's important to recognize that scale is always going to be in motion a little bit, but it's not only the power we have is not only in what we put in each side of the scale. It's also where the fulcrum point is. We have the flexibility to adjust the fulcrum point. So if you think about, you know, a rock and then there's a board on this rock and then we're putting things on either side of the board to create balance, we can shift where the rock is under the board. We can shift the fulcrum point. So if we are in a space in life where we want to carry something heavy that's going to be heavier on one side, we don't just have to counterbalance it with more heavy stuff on the other side. We can just shift the fulcrum point to create the balance. And I think we forget that sometimes and we're constantly in the space of trying to balance all the aspects of our life and we have to put more over here, take away from this. Mm-hmm. We, can, we can shift all, all of those aspects and we do have a large amount of control over you know, any season of life. But I do think the key is lightening the scales as much as possible in yeah. terms of the expectations you know, we really have to get to our own core of what are my priorities in my life? And in order to live those priorities, what needs to be in my sphere of influence? What mm-hmm. needs to be on my scale? And to stop keeping up with the Joneses, stop looking through the windows of Facebook into the lives of other people and measuring yourself or your scale against others. I think that's part of the trap that gets perpetuated by the toxicity of doing versus being. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to have the courage and the vulnerability to step forward into our own levels of priority and how we really truly want to live. Like, and to me, and this is probably a um, subject for another episode, it really comes down into how do you want to feel? engineering your goals from a place of how do I want to feel? What makes me feel that way? Those are the things I'm going to put in my sphere of influence on my scale. And then I'm going to then figure out what do I need to do to live those priorities? Wow. That was jam packed. Uh, That was, uh, there are a lot of little gems there. Uh, I hope people will listen and re-listen to that because there was a lot, a lot there. But one of the things I loved about what you said was about moving the fulcrum. Uh, We can get so, attack it's back to what we were talking about in the last episode about that rigidity about this is the way it has to be no we can move that fulcrum point i love that i love that that when we can take off the blinders of rigidity we have we can see so much more possibility and we can change the fulcrum point altogether if we want to uh and then the other part that really resonated about what you said jen was just you know we what are what are your values you know what are your values do you value time with your family well, you're going to have to make adjustments with how much you work if you do. Uh, and the other thing is just that another topic I would love to come back to, Jen, we are pretty much at our time today, is just about um, comparisons. I hear my clients 
all the time talk about how good they feel when they're not comparing themselves to others and how bad they feel when they're comparing themselves to others. I know this very intimately as well. Uh, you know, that, that, that there's always going to be somebody doing it better than me at some points. And if I focus on that, I am screwed. So uh, that's a good topic to come back to. And maybe balance, that should just be our next episode. Maybe it should be because I think it's so powerful. And ba- part of balance is not doing that to ourselves. It's not doing that to ourselves. So, um, Jen, I think that uh, this has been very fun riffing with you again. Thank you so much. Thank you, listeners. Um, and I, we will see you guys next time. You've been listening to the Riffing on Realness podcast with Carla Royal and Jennifer Flynn. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and share with a friend. We would truly appreciate it if you'd rate and review this podcast, which will help others find us. You can visit me, Carla, at CarlaRoyal.com. I am a mindset and performance coach working with high-achieving, high-performance entrepreneurs and business owners who are quietly dealing with too much mental chatter and anxiety. You will find Jennifer at TheBalanceMaven.com. Through her uniquely balanced approach, she combines an omnipresent, intuitive gift with experience informed strategies to help spiritually minded business owners safely explore their soul's edges and strategically build a business that is a vehicle for a life they love to live. We'll see you next time on Riffing on Realness. (music) 